So the idea was first to show people how to create a five-year plan for different aspects of their life. So like boiling it down to career, finances, wellness, and relationships, because those are like the four main areas that are so important. Welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and on the podcast this week is Alana Lynn Gross. She's a journalist and the author of What Next? Your Five-Year Plan for Life After College. You might remember Alana from the inspiring conversation we had two years ago, and I'm going to link that episode in the show notes because that was such a fun and powerful and insightful conversation really all about finding and honing in on your voice. And so I was beyond excited to sit down and have another conversation with Alana for Seek the Joy. And in this week's new episode, Alana shares everything that she's been up to since we first recorded in 2018, the inspiration behind her new book, What Next, her writing process, and what writing her first book really taught her about herself. Alana shares with us her journey finding what's next in her own life, creating a five-year plan, and why her book focuses on career, finance, wellness, and relationships. We talk about cultivating self-care on a deeper level, and Alana shares with us why she placed such a strong emphasis on mental health in the book. It's really this part of the episode that I keep coming back to the most, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Plus, Alana shares her insights from quarantine, trusting that you're doing enough, her biggest dream, and so much more. I really loved sitting down with Alana again and having this conversation for the podcast, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this one. Make sure to join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. If you know someone in your life who's thinking, what's next, whether they just graduated from college or find themselves in a weird in-between spot as a result of COVID, or even if it's none of the above, there's something in this episode and in Alana's new book for everyone. So please send them a link to this conversation, send them a link to Alana's new book. I am so excited for you guys to hear all of the gems in this week's new episode. Before we dive in, make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow along on Spotify if you haven't already and leave us a rating and review. It really helps the show more than I can even tell you. So thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you for listening. And without further ado, here is this week's new episode with Alana Lynn Gross. So you and I were just talking about how it's been two years since we first connected and we had this first conversation for the podcast. So can we start off by like catching the listeners up, what you've been up to, what has changed in the last two years? Because there's been so much and it's been so much good stuff too. Absolutely. And thank you again for having me. It's so fun to be able to chat again two years later and you have grown so much along the way. So I'm so impressed with your podcast and everything you've been doing. So when we last spoke, I had just gotten into Columbia University for their journalism program. So I did that. It was a year long master's program and it was just this incredible experience. I made lifelong friends, 
really connected with different professors and got a lot of confidence in terms of journalism and the best practices. And actually, a few months after graduation, I got an email from someone at Simon & Schuster saying, we want someone to write a book about the five-year plan for life after college, and we read your blog, and we think that you'd be a good fit. Are you interested? Wow. That is so cool. Wow. What a cool moment. It was a a once-in-a-lifetime moment, for sure. And I, of course, said, absolutely, I'm so interested, and I still had to write a little proposal. It was the shorter one though, just of like how I would go about it, the table of contents, a couple chapters about me and some of like the activities that would be in the book. But I got the book deal August 31st ish. And then by September 23rd, half of the book was due. And then October 23rd, the entire book was due. And then we edited it in about a month. So it was such a whirlwind. It's such a whirlwind. Talk about like a fast paced, like experience, like, okay, I'm doing it. And and you just are like off to the races writing. Absolutely. What was, what was that writing experience like? Cause obviously, you know, before even grad school, you were in freelance, you were writing all the time. We had this awesome conversation the first time around about balance and self-care. And so I'm really curious about what the, your balance and self-care sort of experience was like while writing the book, especially within like such a short time frame. Yeah, it was definitely, I mean, I keep laughing to friends and calling this my year in hibernation because I basically <laughs> hibernated to write the book and edit it. So that was three months. And then we kind of bopped right into social distancing. So it's my year in hibernation, which I think is a great title for a future book. I know that might be your sequel. <laughs> totally. Totally. How to hibernate. And I was, I was interning at the time. So I was commuting to Jersey city and back while writing the book at night and in early in the morning and on weekends. So, you know, self-care in the sense of, you know, making sure I was cooking and eating healthy meals and seeing friends at least part of the time and working out, working out has always been so huge for me in terms of self-care. So making sure that I at least got a half an hour to an hour workout in three to five days a week was so important. Yeah. I can imagine like finding those moments where you can step away and take good care of yourself. And then I'm sure too remind yourself of the things that you love that kind of help you stay grounded because, and I haven't been in that position before where I've written a book in a timeline Mm -hmm. like that, but I can imagine there's a lot of stress and pressure and it's a first time experience. So I'm sure you had to continue to gravitate to the things that, you know, you love to do and, and helped you kept, keep going. Definitely. Definitely. And uh, I was also a fan of productive procrastination, which is like my apartment <laughs> was sparkling. It was so clean because whenever I had something that I wanted to procrastinate for a little bit on, I would, you know, wipe down the counters or like Swiffer the floors. Oh, yes. Um, so I, it was a very clean three month apartment. (laughs) It's so relatable to quarantine right now too, because I think so many of us have done this where it's like, oh, I need to do this. But this drawer, this drawer, a drawer I haven't seen in like a year needs to be organized. (laughs) So I'm going to tackle that instead. Absolutely. So I would love to dive in and talk a little bit about your book if we can. What was the process of writing it? And did you pull a lot from your own experiences too? Yeah, there was definitely a lot that came from my own experiences. So the idea was first to show people how to create a five-year plan for different aspects of their life. So like boiling it down to career, finances, wellness, and relationships, because those are like the four main areas 
that are so important. And I think a lot of times when people thinking, think of a five-year plan, they just think of their career. Mm-hmm. And this way you're also thinking, okay, I want to finish paying off my student loans or I want to have these types of friendships or whatever it is, thinking more holistically about your life as a whole. Well, just so you have goals in every aspect of your life to try to hit, because it's not just your career. There's so many other things that are so important and partially more important than even that. And then the rest of the book goes through, it's basically a guidebook for everything I wish I had known when I graduated college on those topics. So once people have their five-year plan, they could learn the advice that they need for finding a job and getting promoted and managing people. And, you know, for finances, they could learn about investing and high yield savings accounts and savings and having an emergency fund and relationships, you know, dating, how your relationships can change with your parents, roommates, friends, all of those things. And wellness was, you know, big goals that you want to do, like if you want to run a half marathon or a marathon or just get yourself to work out and, you know, cook healthy meals, just because when you graduate from college, there it's there's so many firsts. I, I love what you said too about looking at your life holistically because the plan isn't just about career, but so many of us focus solely on career. I've, I certainly have. I remember after graduating college, it was like, okay, what is the next step in my career? I never really thought about the next step in my finances or my wellness mm-hmm. or my relationships. So I love that you created this and it really is about this whole well-rounded focus and picture of your life and looking at every every area of it. Yeah, and I think sometimes people gravitate away from five-year plans because they think that just seems so overwhelming and what if something changes? And like the mm-hmm. idea of a five-year plan isn't that it's set in stone and you absolutely have to do that. Life can pull you in so many different directions. You could get a job offer in California that's amazing. You could fall in love with someone that you meet at a wedding and end up moving to Ohio with them. Things may change, but if you have a plan for every aspect of your life, chances are that some of the parts are going to stay the same, you know, even if other parts switch. So it's not something that is immobile and you can't change it. Your life changed, but if you don't have goals, then you don't have anything that you're working toward. And it's really easy to just go, 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 and then look back five years later and think, wait a minute what did I accomplish? Did I go where I wanted to go? If you don't have a goal, you don't really know what you're you're aiming for. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. I think for me, what's been so helpful in right, maybe my whole life, but at least in the last 10 years has been to think about, okay, where what is the big picture here? Like what is the big thing that I'm aiming for? And then thinking about the steps that I can take to get there. But I love what you said too. It's not like the plan can't change or it's immobile because circumstances change and maybe what you want to do ends up changing. Because I think something you talk about in the book that I really resonated with and loved is about making the most of this time for yourself after graduation. And I think it brought up a very interesting point for me of who I am today at like 29 is very different from who I was at 22 when I graduated from college. And thinking back, like I really had no idea like who I was, what I wanted to do, where I really was going to end up going. I had like a broad idea, but not, I, I would have never guessed I would end up here, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so I'm curious if that was the same experience for you, if a lot has changed since the time that you graduated from college, or did you feel like you were still aiming for the, sort of that, that big picture that you talked about? Yeah, I think definitely. I figured out what I wanted to do kind of by trial. So I 
was working as a paralegal. I had just graduated from college, you know, it was two months out of college, a few months out of college and really missed having a creative outlet and writing and having ownership over a project. So I started my blog and started writing about all the things my friends and I were discussing as we were navigating the first few years of our careers. And because I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do and I knew I didn't want to be a paralegal, I didn't think I wanted to go to law school. I just wasn't sure what what I wanted to do and what, what was next for me. I started also interviewing women and talking to them about their career paths and their advice and how they got where they were. And from that, I realized, oh, writing and journalism is really where I want to be. So I started working in marketing and different marketing companies to write that way, but then was freelance writing on the side and realized that it's really that long form type of writing that I enjoy the most, especially mm-hmm. anything that's advice-based where you can take a big topic and something that's complex and kind of boil it down for people and make it streamlined and easy to understand and also hopefully fun to read. Yeah, totally. And so I was doing that on the side and that is really what led me to where I am today. So it really was not planned out. It was just do what you love and then it will, you know, hopefully end up taking you where you want to go. Yeah. I love that because you continue to follow what you loved. And and I know we talked about this a lot in our first conversation, but for the podcast, but the more that you do that and you continue to pursue the things that you love, even if it's a small thing, like writing for you in the blog wasn't a small thing, but it was in addition to what you were doing full time, you know, with mm-hmm. while being a paralegal, but you found something that you love that was an outlet and you kept following that. And I think that is such a great example, but also story for so many people who I'm sure are listening to this, who are in very similar, you know, situations and they're starting to maybe figure out what it is that they love to do. And I think it is about following those little nuggets that show up, you know, over time and, and seeing where it leads you. And I think right now, especially one thing that I'm telling people who are just graduating from college and are freaked out, you know, it's really tough right now because they were set to graduate into the best job market in 50 years. And now they're graduating into a recession and such a scary time. One thing I've been telling people are two things. One is you might not get your dream, dream job right now, but a lot of people don't get their dream jobs right out of college. Mm -hmm. Whatever you get, you'll learn skills and professionalism that you can carry with you to your next career. So be open-minded about jobs and think of like the ways you can take your skill set and what you want to do and do it, apply it to other industries. Um, and another thing is that this is a really great time to really reflect on what it is you want to do because the job search might take a little bit longer. And so start doing something on the side, start, you know, It's like how people say dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Mm -hmm. Start working towards the job you want, not the job you have right now. So, you know, maybe it's starting a blog, maybe it's starting a podcast, maybe it's interning at a company for free, you know, virtually, but because you know that you'll get the skills or trying to find a paid internship, you never know where that will lead you. So really use this time to try different things, to reflect on what you want to do. And I think that will will help you throughout this time as well. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up because it really is a very unique time um, for all of us, but I think especially those who are entering the job market for the first time, whether it's post-college or high school or whatever it might be. And I can imagine 
for so many, it's so stressful. Like, you know, looking for a job on its own can be really difficult. It certainly took me a long time to be where I am now. It was a lot of different jobs and a lot of different applications and going through the process. But I can't imagine you know, entering a market like the one that we have right now. And so the timing of our conversation, I think, is so interesting for so many reasons, because so many of us um, are asking, like, what's next? What are we going to do next? Um, and so I love the tips that you shared, because I think that can definitely be applied to to anyone, you know, no matter what stage of, of their lives they're in. Definitely. I think in so many aspects of your life right now, I think we're like pressing pause and reflecting on so many aspects. So, you know, your relationships, your wellness, finances, all of these things that hopefully the book will help you reflect on. I've never had, you know, like looked at the calendar and not seen plans for months at a time and trying to use that time to really think about yourself and to take care of yourself, I think is, is really valuable, at least at our age. I mean, it's a very different experience if I had two kids under too right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point too, because I think all of us are dealing with the circumstances differently. Right. And so we all have different, um, different time during the day. Like some of us have a lot of time. Some of us have no time. Some of us have children. Some of us don't, but I think for everyone, it's a really, I love what you said. It's, it's been a time to take pause, um, and to really reflect. And I think on these four areas that you touched on in the book, relationships, wellness, finance, career, it's a really unique time um, to think to think about all of it. What has this, this experience been like for you, um, sort of reflecting on those areas in your life? And have you been, have you found that your reflections have changed a lot since the time you wrote the book or? It's been a, it's been an interesting time. So I think part of it was like, writing the book was such a whirlwind while working. And then you kind of go into this period where now I have a lot of time. I'm not writing the book, so I feel like I have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. But I do think I've been less productive than usual. And I've read all of these studies, too, about, like, the brain fogginess and the fact that this is, like, such a stressful time, no matter what your circumstances are like. Yeah. It's kind of a stressful time for everyone, regardless of if you are a nurse or a doctor or you are a writer and you're at home on your couch. Like it's just for everyone. It's a tough time. So I'm really trying to take care of myself and to focus on self care and realize that this might not be a time where I'm quote productive on things like lots and lots of writing, but I could be productive on things like, you know, (laughs) learning to cook Mm -hmm. better and, and different aspects and focusing on the things that I find fun uh, and creative is good. I think that in the beginning, there was a lot of pressure for people where it was like, you know, use this time to write your novel and Shakespeare wrote King Lear while he was in quarantine and all of these things. And then first of all, everyone has such such different circumstances. Like if you have a family, it's a lot different. Um, if you have a really taxing job, if you just got laid off, everyone's experiencing something so different right now. So really trying not to be pressured by what other people are doing and to focus on what is best for you and what feels good for you. I think is also important. Yeah, I love that you said that because something that I've seen a lot, I saw a quote that really bothered me and it was like, if you're not using this time to be the most productive, then like like self-discipline is the issue. Like I saw something that said something like that and I could not believe it. And there, especially at the beginning of quarantine, I think there was a lot of pressure, like you said, to... Mm-hmm 
like do more than you actually can. And for me personally, I'm still working. I work from home now. And so I've got my full-time job and then I've got the podcast and everything else. And I had this moment where I was like, wait, am I not doing enough too? And then I really like started laughing because I realized how ridiculous of a statement that was because we're all doing enough and we're all doing the best that we can. And so something that I found so interesting during this time and having these conversations for the podcast is just really hearing everyone express something very similar, which is I see the pressure, I feel the pressure, but I'm not allowing myself to um, buy into it. Uh, But it takes like a minute to like not let yourself buy into the pressure. So I love what you said. You've been focusing on self-care and changing your narrative or how you define productivity. I think that's really, that's really important. Yeah. I saw some good quotes that were like, it's a pandemic, not a productivity contest. Mic drop on that one. That's so good. And then there was another one that was like, you're not working from home. You're working from home during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's not business as usual. This is unprecedented time with so many stressors. So I think it's so important to really focus on your own mental health and focus on yourself and feeling good at this time and taking care of the people around you. Yeah. And that's important too. Uh, remembering that we're not in this in isolation, even though we are technically in isolation, we really are still, um, together in this. So taking care of your family, your friends, your coworkers, the people that you surround yourself with. Um, and you know, I think for me, and I don't know if this is true for you too, but I find myself sometimes I check in with people, but I don't check in with myself. So how are Mm -hmm. you? How's it going for you? But I forget to ask myself those questions. So even remembering to to do that, I think is really important. No, absolutely. In the book, you talk a lot about different journal prompts. Um, And I I remember, I wish I wrote it down, but I saw a bunch, especially at the beginning of the book that you share to really help people, I think, focus and narrow in on their goals or their aspirations or their dreams. And so during this time period with the pandemic, have you been journaling a lot or are there certain prompts that you've been um, relying on? Yeah. So I've been trying to keep a gratitude journal because I think that's helpful. So a few things every day that I'm grateful for. And I think that, I mean, the studies have shown how gratitude journals can help you feel Mm -hmm. your mindset and your mental health. So that's one thing. And then kind of brainstorm lists, lots of lists for ideas, but less so of like journaling, journaling prompts right now, but more the gratitude journal for sure. And then just like, lots and lots of brainstorming where just like write down any idea you have and then figure it out later. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that. Kind of like getting it all out on the paper and like seeing what sort of what kind of like pops up at you. Exactly. I I just had a thought and I want to go back to something we talked about a little bit earlier when you were talking about the book and how you divide it into four sections, um, finances, relationship, wellness, and career. And I'm curious because it's definitely been some time for both of us since we've graduated from college. But have you found that there were certain times in your life where you focused on wellness more or career more or relationships more? Um, And then for anyone that's listening, you know, what has your experience been like, I guess, sort of trying to to balance all of those areas? Um, Because I think think that's part of the plan too, the five-year plan is like figuring out like, how can I manage all of these different aspects of my life? maybe sort of at the same time if possible? Yeah. I would say the first few years out of college, definitely, I think I was mostly career focused. Career as well as, you know, relationships. You had, I had roommates and 
I live close to my family. So I see my family and I was making new friends and going to networking events. So I think that was a big part of it. Finances mm-hmm. I think was kind of on autopilot. You know, I was making a budget and trying to save and doing a 401k and things like that. But it was less of like a, a main focus and more just like, you know, you could do that mm-hmm. once a month, I think. Wellness has always been something that I've focused on and that's been important to me. But I think that in recent years, I started running. And so finding different outlets and finding things that you love and different goals has been so helpful. So that's within like the last two years, I think, of starting to run. But I always tell people who want to start working out, choose three. So try three different types of workouts. So maybe it's a yoga class, a bar class, and running. And and just keep trying and to find three things that you enjoy. And once you find those, you can start, you know, turning it into a habit. Yeah. I love that. Like pick something that you really like, start small and then, and then really build on it. I love what you said too, that there were, you know, especially after graduation, the focus was more on career. Um, I find it interesting, like as we get older, um, career is still important, but we really start to take into account maybe those other areas of our life too. Definitely. What have you learned the most from yourself from this book writing process and, and now maybe even sharing the book, you know, with the world? I can't believe it's like it's out there for people now. So, yeah. So what, have you, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? You know, it's funny. I think I've definitely learned that I, for some reason, always thought I was a slower writer and I was actually really nervous to take the book offer. I knew it was this once in a lifetime book and it was the perfect culmination of everything I like to write about. And it was the perfect book for me, but I was really nervous. And I was like, am I going to be able to work full time and write a book in two months? Mm -hmm. Is that a possibility? And I was really scared. And I'm so grateful that I told my friends and I told my agent and different people were saying, you know what, if you commit to it, you're going to get it done. And luckily I believed them and I did. So I think, you know, one thing is realizing that like taking I can't and reframing it as I can and thinking about once you set your mind on something, you will figure out how to get it done and you'll figure out how to make it happen. And so I think that was a big learning for me. I think that having something that's out there, yeah, I guess I was always used to it because I had the blog and I've been, you know, writing for years Mm -hmm. and having my byline out there. Having a book out there was, you know, I just wanted it to be as good as possible. And so Unlike when something's online and you can change it or take it down or edit something, (laughs) I was freaking out about the fact that this book would be in, you know, Barnes and Nobles and school bookstores and on Amazon and all of these other places. And like, once it's out, it's out. So I was definitely extremely careful. And obviously the editorial team was extremely careful, but like back checking the entire book, making sure everything was accurate. That was like a full month of just fact-checking, 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 reading it over and over. (laughs) So hopefully, you know, just putting in the work to make sure it's as good as possible. Yeah. It's almost like a level of vulnerability, I think, that that's like brand new. Like you're putting yourself out there and you've been doing that for so long, but now you're doing it in a different way that's more permanent and lasting. That's definitely a new level of vulnerability um, that I think not many of us experience. But um, talk about just pushing past like any fear or anxiety and worry and like just doing it. Definitely. And it was funny. I remember I was... I went out for dinner with a bunch of friends right after I think I handed in like the final version of the book. And I was like, 
Yeah, it was like I handed him the final version of the book, and I knew I wouldn't be able to make any other changes. And I was kind of freaked out about that. Mm -hmm. And my friend was like, you know what? I'm sure J.K. Rowling and everyone rereads their books and always would find a word that they should change or, like, some nitpicky thing. As long as you have, like, 99.9% of, like, everything you want, and it's – there's always things that you could look back and change – but you know that you did your best and you know that, you know, given the time provided, this is the best book it can be. You need to like move forward, which was helpful. Yeah. I I love that advice. That's such good advice because it's true. I mean, anytime you do something and you go back and you look at it and you reread it or whatever the case might be, you're going to find something you want to change. So at some point you just have to sort of like put your hands up and go, okay, I did my best and I'm going to let it go and I'm going to just see what happens. But that had to be really, really scary in the moment. Yeah. And it's actually so funny because today I was walking around the park and I was, I've been listening to the audiobook of the book. Oh my God. So funny because I didn't read the audiobook. Um, this wonderful voice actress named Caitlin Davies did. So it was just so, it's so interesting to like, I remember obviously writing the book at my desk and like at my little chair and at the <laughs> library and all of these places. And it's so interesting to see my, hear my words and like what, felt so solitary in writing it, read by someone else and just knowing it's being interpreted by so many different people. I think, and you might feel this way too, with writing, it feels very solitary. Mm-hmm. You're in your apartment. I was in hibernation writing this book. <laughs> and then when it's out there, you know, it's so fun to get to hear from people and to hear what they thought and if they thought it was helpful. And a book is a perfect example of the fact that like you're writing isn't just this solitary thing. Like it's touching so many people and hopefully helping so many people. I love that you said that because you really never know the impact when you're doing something, when you're writing, when you're recording, uh, whatever it might be, we don't really know the impact in the moment. We just know the way it makes us feel and how we're experiencing that writing process or that recording process or whatever it might be. And then when it's like actually out into the world and other people are experiencing it, um, it's, it's just a totally like different experience and level of impact. And I can't even imagine like what it's like to hear your words read by somebody else. Like what a cool experience. It is really like kind of an out of body experience. It's very, very, it's great. And she did an amazing job. Oh, I'm sure. Okay. Now I got to listen to the audio version. That's awesome. I I love that. So I want to ask you too, you know, because I think the world of adulting, and I don't know if that's a real word, but I use that word all the time. The world of adulting is really weird and brand new. And there are so many things that we're expected to know or learn that we're not taught in school, Um, like how to balance a budget or maybe do your taxes or how to navigate different relationships. And so I just love the fact that you've taken everything that you've learned and put it it's now like a resource for other people. And I think, I mean, even for, you know, our peer group, I think it's going to be an awesome resource for all the things that maybe we just didn't know or didn't learn. I think especially like as millennials, we're sort of like thrown into the world and it's like, all right, see how you do. But to have a resource is, is, is so important. Yeah. And I think there's something for everyone in this book, regardless of whether or not you're five years out or 50 especially in the wellness section, I think one thing that was so important to me in writing this book, and I think you've experienced this too, is I think we've kind of, people, almost, it almost seems like when people talk about self-care, they're talking about like a bubble bath 
and a face mask and a glass of tea. And like, that will be all you need. That will solve all your problems. Right. Exactly. (laughs) One thing that was so important to me in writing the book was like, that's not self care, like self care. That could be an aspect of self care. And that could definitely be like a coping mechanism and a joy trigger for you. But your twenties are a really hard time. And especially those five years after college are a really hard time. So it was really important to me to really focus on mental health and coping mechanisms that people can use both healthy ones and unhealthy ones to avoid. And the signs, understanding the signs that you're really stressed and that you might be anxious or depressed, or if that's not something you grew up talking about with your family or with a counselor at school or an RA at school or your friends, you might not know what those warning signs are and how to get help. And so that was something that was so important to me was making sure that that advice is in the book. And I think, you know, that's why this timing has been so important too. I think right now, you know, Mm -hmm. people are feeling this new type of anxiety for the first time or this new type of depression for the first time, regardless of what your mental health history in the past has been. So I really hope that this helps people take care of their mental health and realize that if you broke your arm, you would go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. If you're not feeling well mentally, then it's the same thing. Like find find resources and find help. And there are so many ways you can do it that are, you know, like virtual right now or that are low, less expensive. So knowing that if you need help, there is a resource out there, I think was something that was really important and I think has been really timely. So timely. I was just thinking that to myself as you were sharing that, because I think if this time period has taught us anything, it's taught us many things, but if it's taught us anything, it's that Without our health, we have nothing. But even more than that, it's not just about physical health. It really is about mental health. And so I think the more that we can um, illuminate that conversation and have conversations like that and and really, you know, not only openly share our own experiences with our own mental health, um, but also you know, erase the stigma around it and show people and share that there are resources. And so I I think this is so timely because I, like you shared, so many people are, um, experiencing difficulties with their mental health, maybe for the first time ever, or maybe it's worse than it's ever been. Um, so I love that within the book, you really do touch on different tools and tips and resources, um, that can be applied, you know, to everything and and to really help with that aspect of our health because it it is so important. Yeah. It was really important to me that like the self-care section really thought about self-care on a deeper level, just because I think a lot of the things I had read kind of touched upon it as this, like, you know, the, the bubble bath mentality and mm-hmm. that's not all there is. Like I wanted to go a lot deeper. And so I hope if people take something away, I hope that they take that away from the book for sure. And I think that's an area where any age group, so maybe you've already learned how to, you know, do your resume and your budget, but like you haven't really thought about the mental health stuff as much or signs or coping mechanisms. So I think, you know, regardless of I think there's something for everyone in the book. Yeah, there, there really is. I love that. There really is something for everyone in this book. And I think the timing of it is so interesting. I'm sure when you were writing it last year, you had no idea the, the timing of the oh, book's release not. and how relevant it would be for so many people. And so I'm just excited for for people to get their hands on this book. And um, you've been such an awesome resource for so many on your blog throughout the years. So now to have a book is is amazing. And, and so before we go, I have 
one more question for you. Um, and I think I asked you this the first time we recorded, so we may have to go back and hear what you said the first time, but you've written this incredible book and I know your journey is, is just getting started, but I would love to know what is your biggest dream? Oh, biggest dream. I think having a family, Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest one. And just, I think that's probably the, the biggest one. And continuing to write and continuing to write content that hopefully helps people is something that's so important to me too. So I guess I'm giving you two answers. No, but they're great. I think it goes back to your book, having these different areas, these different sort of buckets in your life, right? That you want to continue to fill up and and learn and take from. And so I love that. I'm so glad that we reconnected and had this conversation for the podcast. I'm excited for people to get their hands on your book because we're all asking what's next. And so this is going to be a great resource for everyone. Where can everyone find you, learn more, find the book and, and dive in? Yeah, so my website is www.alanalyn.com. And on social media, I'm either Alana Lynn or Alana Lynn Gross, all my platforms. And then the book is available everywhere. So Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, uh, as well as one thing that Simon & Schuster's doing that I absolutely love right now is they partnered with bookshop.org. And bookshop.org is helping local businesses and independent uh, bookstores right now. And so for every book sold, they're donating to a local, to local bookstores. And I think they've raised over a million dollars for local bookstores at this time, which is just incredible. And so that's, that's another really great way to, to support your favorite authors and support your favorite bookstores. I love it. I'm going to put everything in the show notes. It'll be so easy um, for everyone to find you, find the book, support what Simon & Schuster are doing. And Alana, thank you so much um, again for coming on the podcast. You talk about this a lot in your book about celebrating your accomplishments and your wins and, and just even celebrating who you are and how far you've come. And so even though we're in the middle of a global pandemic, I'm excited to celebrate you and what you're doing. So thanks so much again. Thank you. 